0: Good morning, Balboa, beautiful Pastor John and Becky and the amazing Balboa team on this beautiful December 3rd. I've got an incredible word from God for you. So strap yourself in, open your Bibles, get ready, get ready, get ready. It's about to get awesome in here. So great to be with you. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Psalms, Psalm 78. We're going to be reading from verse 35 in the New King James, same translation Jesus used. Same translation 35 it says then they remembered that God was their rock the most high God their redeemer nevertheless they flattered him with their mouth and they lied to him with their tongue for their heart was not steadfast in him nor were they faithful in his covenant. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity, did not destroy them. Yes, many a time he turned his anger away, did not stir up all his wrath, for he remembered that they were but flesh a breath that passes away and does not come again. How often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power when he redeemed them from the enemy, when he worked his signs in Egypt, his wonders in the field of Zoan, turned rivers into blood, streams that they could not drink, and it goes on. This morning, I want to speak to you on the topic of limiting the unlimited, limiting the unlimited. Let's read verse 41 again. It says, yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. When I was in Bible college, we learned three things about the the character of God, the nature of God, and the attributes of God. And the first one that we learned was that God was omniscient. God is omniscient. Omniscient means that he is all-knowing. He is all-knowing. God is never vexed. He's never phased. He's never anxious. There's no enigma, riddle, or problem that that keeps God up at night. He is all-knowing. He is omniscient. He He has answers, all wisdom. Things may be complex for you and I here. You may struggle with an issue. You may struggle with a problem. Things may be kind of a parable or or a riddle to you. But I'm telling you, if you will lean into God, God is omniscient and he will give you wisdom. The second thing that we learn is that God is omnipotent. God is omnipotent. Omnipotent means he's all powerful. He doesn't have some power. He doesn't have a lot of power. He is all powerful. He is full of all power. The Bible says he spoke and the universe existed. He created everything by the breath of his mouth. I need you to understand that the devil may be gathering and evil may be rising, but you do not need to fear when God is in your corner. When God is in your court, he is the all-powerful one. If the hordes of hell were to surround his throne, they would come off second best. You, with God, become a majority because God is omnipotent. God is all-powerful. The third one that we learned is that God is omnipresent. God is omnipresent. What does omnipresent mean? It means that unlike you and I, who can only occupy one space of, of geography at one piece of time, God lives outside of time, and he is not limited by time nor space. God is in your future preparing, planning. God is in your past, especially in mine, mopping and cleaning. And He's in your present right now, working and aligning things to line up with the great future that He has. And should you veer to the right or veer to the left, what I've discovered in my life, He is so good that in my present, He immediately comes and mop up on on aisle six and redirects me and gets me back onto the right path so that you are on a collision course with an amazing destiny. So the Bible teaches us that God is an unlimited God. And yet here in verse 41, it says, the children of Israel, because of their hard-heartedness, limited the unlimited God. So can I just share three thoughts today? Because the, 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 the desire of Awakened Church, our, our plan, everything that we do, every preach, every, every series that we do, Every program that we run, every conference that we put on has one agenda, and the agenda is for you to experience the unlimited God. We want you to be unlimited in your dreaming, unlimited in your believing, unlimited in your seeing, unlimited in your experiencing of God. If God is really God, then this should make no sense in your life. I'm a living, walking testimony that a kid who grew up the son of an atheist could be doing what I'm doing, be where I am, have the friends that I have, be seeing the things that I'm seeing. It does not make sense. It is so far above my pay grade, so far above my education, so far above my experience, so far above my understanding. All I know is that God is an unlimited God, and I want to learn from this scripture not to limit the Holy One of Israel. Can somebody say amen? So three areas where, where we limit God. The first area is we limit God, I believe, in what we see. We limit God in what we see. Joshua, in Joshua chapter 6, verse 2, comes to the city of Jericho. Jericho is, is the Bible says, tightly shut up. It's secure. It's become a compound. Forty years earlier, they, they crossed the Red Sea. The word had already come forth that God was giving them the promised land. The king of Jericho knew from geography that the first stop on the way to inheriting the land of Canaan was Jericho. He hired his greatest architects and engineers. And he said, we need to build a compound Because the God of Israel that just opened up a Red Sea is coming through here. And these men arrogantly believed that through bricks and mortar and stone and steel, that they could create a compound that could keep God out. But when Joshua got to the the city walls of Jericho and he looked and he saw the walls so high, so thick chariots could race around on top. So high, so thick that there were apartment complexes built into the walls. It looked impregnable. But the word of the Lord came to Joshua and God said to Joshua, Joshua, I need you to see that I've given Jericho into your hand, its king and its mighty men of valor. I need you to not see impregnable. I need you to not see impossible. I need you to see that I have delivered the city into your hand. Can I just tell you, you will never conquer, you will never take possession of, you will never overcome anything until you first see that God has given you authority over that. You will not overcome an alcohol addiction, a pornography addiction, a lust addiction, a drug addiction, a gambling addiction. You will not overcome any addiction until you first come to the realization that God has given you authority over that thing. Can I just say this to you, that, that in this church, you're going to learn the Word of God. You're going to learn truth. And as that truth begins to, to hit and penetrate your spirit and your soul, all of a sudden you're going to come to the realization and the understanding, my God, God has given me authority over every beast of the field, birds of the air, fish of the sea. God has given me dominion in the earth. Our desire is for you not to kind of eke your way or squeak your way through life. Our desire is to put so much of the Word of God in you that you begin to realize you have authority over that you have authority over circumstances, over situations, that you are not under the circumstances. You have authority over the circumstances in your life. So until you see differently, nothing's going to change. Probably the the greatest story that I love in Genesis 15, Abraham, who's the father of our faith. Abraham is known as the father of our faith. So it's probably a good idea to study Abraham because as you study Abraham, you're going to see from Abraham the, the outworking of faith, the development of faith, the seed of faith, and the harvest of faith. So in Genesis 15, the Bible says that God, God speaks to Abraham, and he says, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, your exceedingly great reward. Here I am, your exceedingly great reward. And the Bible says that Abraham literally responds. I mean, it's pretty bad. Abraham responds and says to God, so what? I mean, just as well, God's got a great self-image. Just as well, God's got a great self-esteem. So what? So what? What's the point of all this blessing? I'm already rich in gold and silver and livestock and cattle and and merchant. What's the point of all this blessing when, look, I have no son. Eliezer of Damascus, a servant born in my house, he's the heir of all this stuff. And then God speaks to him and says, you're going to have a son. You're going to have a son. And he says, but I've got to do this. You get out of your tent. And so God literally gets a hold of Abraham and says, get out of your tent. And now, now that you're out from under that ceiling, I need you to look up and I need you to begin to count the stars if you are able, because more will your descendants be than the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. See, if you would have interviewed Abraham and if you would have interviewed the physicians around Abraham they would have told you the problem was with Sarah's womb the Bible says that Sarai his wife Sarah was barren they would have said oh the the, the, the problem is located in her inability to conceive in her inability to to receive seed and and respond and be pregnant and then bring forth a the baby they would have told you the problems there God says the problem has got nothing to do with Sarai the how easy would it be for God to click his fingers and put a baby in Sarah's womb. Instead, God says to Abraham, I- if I put a baby in the womb, you get a baby. But I'm not trying to give you a baby. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to set up a nation because I'm trying to bring faith in the earth. Because everything that God does, he does by faith and he does through faith. The Bible says in Romans 4:17 that God speaks those things that are not as though they are. He creates by the words of his mouth. Every tra- Transaction in the kingdom is a faith transaction. Jesus said, When I return, will I really find faith in the earth? The the preaching at Awakened Church every single Sunday, every single Wednesday is engineered and designed in such a way that, that we that we literally build it on the three immutable the three eternal concepts of faith, hope, and love. These three remain, faith, hope, and love. You will walk out with faith. You will believe that with God all things are possible. You'll believe that if I'm walking with God, that I'm invincible. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer in Christ Jesus. You'll have hope in your heart that no matter how bleak yesterday was, tomorrow's going to be better because I just heard the word of God. I just received a word from heaven and everything is about to shift. You'll experience the love of God. So we want, we want to put faith you how does faith come i'm glad you asked faith cometh by hearing hearing by the word of god romans ten seventeen. faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of god so our desire is to you would learn faith so god says to to abraham i could put a baby in sarah's womb instead i'm going to do something else i'm going to get you to get out and instead of seeing limit instead of seeing lack instead of seeing what you don't have i need you to look up and start seeing the impossible there's a saying that those who see the invisible achieve the impossible. God says to Abraham, count the stars if you are able, because more will your descendants be than the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Stars are nighttime, sand is daytime. Whether it was daytime or nighttime, God gave Abraham a vision of the impossible. He gave God, he gave Abraham a vision of the incredible because it had less to do with Sarah's womb. It had everything to do with what God was trying to bring forth he was trying to bring forth a, a generation of faith he was trying to bring forth a nation of faith because he he knew that the messiah was going to come who would justify you and I by faith the bible says that by faith we are justified there's a whole chapter in hebrews 11 about what god does through people of faith jesus says when i return will i find faith in the earth i'm telling you this we know that god has been able to do in san diego what we haven't seen before not because we're so clever or we're so brilliant just because we have faith. I'm telling you, if you will have faith. Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain. "It will." I'm telling you, my job, my assignment every single Sunday is to put faith on the inside of you so that you begin to see the supernatural and the miraculous. So Abraham walks out and he begins to see. Nothing changed in Sarah's womb until God changed what Abraham saw. It's not what you, it's not what you don't see. It's what you do see. 10 spies or 12 spies cross the Jordan River. Joshua sends them across the Jordan River. And they come back, 10 of them come back with a negative report. They said, yeah, yeah, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, but there are giants in that land. The sons of Anak were there. It's a land that devouts its inhabitants. The cities are fortified. The people are numerous. We are not able to go up against them. For we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and we were like grasshoppers in their sight. Grasshopper belongs to the locust family. They saw themselves after 400 years of slavery, they still had a slavery mindset. They saw themselves as an imposition. They saw themselves going into into this territory that God was giving them to cities that they hadn't built, to orchards they hadn't planted, to vineyards they hadn't watered, to gardens they hadn't nurtured. And they saw themselves as locusts coming into somebody else's harvest. This was God's promise. They didn't see God's promise. They saw themselves as grasshoppers, as these little insects in their sight. And because of how they saw themselves, they disqualified themselves. But thank God there were two spies, Joshua and Caleb, who said, what the heck are you guys talking about? Their protection has departed from them. They are our bread. They are our food. Let us go up at once. If the Lord delights in us, hello, he just opened up a Red Sea. I think he delights in us. If the Lord delights in us, we are well able to take them. Now, you always ask this question who was right, the 10 or the 2? And the answer is all 12. All 12 were right. The 10 who said it couldn't be done, they didn't do it. The two who said it could be done, They did it. Joshua and Caleb were the ones who inherited the promised land. They ate the fruit they experienced the orchards, they experienced the vineyards, they drank the wine, they ate the bread, they ate the goodness of the land. In this church at Awaken, our assignment is to put a faith on the inside of you because we're teaching you how to operate in the kingdom. The kingdom is not the earth. The kingdom operates on a different economy. It operates on different principles. That's why Jesus had to teach the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. Why? Because there's, there's a protocol for living in the kingdom. There's a protocol for approaching the king when you operate in his protocols you'll find life flows if i was to put you under the sea The only way that you can operate under the sea is you actually have to take the atmosphere here, there. You have to have oxygen or or you'll die. If I put you on the moon or on another planet, unless you take the atmosphere that God created you to, to sustain life in, for you to thrive in, unless you take that atmosphere there, you will not be able to survive. It's the same with the kingdom. Whenever Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like, he's trying to bring the kingdom down. He's trying to say that there's an environment That you need to let go of earth to step into heaven where you will thrive, where you will flourish, where you will expand, where you will increase, where you'll see miracles, where you'll see breakthrough, where you will see the unlimited of God. So you've got to let go of stinking thinking and limited thinking and earthly thinking and start operating in kingdom concepts. Number two, what we say. We limit God by what we see and we limit God by what we say. The 10 spies, listen to what they said. They said, we are not able. We are not able. And Joshua and Caleb says, Since when is it it we? What what are you talking about? We are not able. The same God who parted the sea. Were you able to part the Red Sea? I didn't think you were able to part the Red Sea. Were you able to provide manna in a wilderness of 40 years? What, What part of God is able? In this this church, I'm telling you, you will limit your life and you will limit the unlimited if you live a life down to what you are able or not able to do. In this life, I've got to tell you, God wants to elevate your life beyond your ability, beyond your skill set, beyond the might and strength of your arm, that you will unlock heavenly things. The Bible says that God by His own might, God by His own right arm brought salvation. God by His power. The Bible says that how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit And power, and he went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed. The devil, you are called to walk under an anointing, under a power that is supernatural, so that you unlock the unlimited of God in your life. So don't say that we are not able. We are not able. I love the story of Zecharias. Zecharias is the is the daddy of of John the Baptist, and the Bible says that there came a time in, in the Gospel of Luke. Where Zechariah is, is, uh, the lot came that he was to go and burn incense in the Holy of Holies. And as he goes into the Holy of Holies, Gabriel appears to him. And Gabriel says, Zechariah, thy prayer has been heard in heaven. And, you know, when you see an angel. And he's freaking out. He's like, which prayer? He says, you're going to have a son. Your wife, Elizabeth. She's going to bring forth a male child. And he's like, how can this be? Hey, hey, hey whoa, whoa, whoa. how can this be? I'm old. My wife, well advanced in years. How can this even happen? And Gabriel's just like, he's like dumbstruck because this is a priest. He's, a, he's, a, he's from the, the tribe of Levi. In fact, he's from the family of Aaron. He's an Aaronic priest. He's anointed to be a teacher of Israel. And Gabriel's like, I stand in the presence of God. Like, is this normal? Like, do you normally have angels? I mean, no. Okay, so I stand in the presence of God. you think I come because this is a a, a Kodak camera moment? This is like, gotcha, just kidding. This is an Ashton Kutcher. No, it's, you know what? You're going to be mute. I'm going to mute you because now if you read the story in Luke, What's really interesting is when, when the angel appears to Mary, he says to Mary, You're going to have a, a son. Uh, you're going to call his name Jesus. He's going to be the savior of the world. And it looks like Mary asks exactly the same question Well, how can this be, seeing I know not a man? And I asked God, I said, God, you know, how come Zacharias gets mute, but Mary doesn't? And he said, Because Mary's a teenage girl, Zacharias is anointed to be my spokesperson. That's what a priest is. He's meant to speak my word and he's full of unbelief. I had to mute him lest he sabotage. In this church, you will learn the first thing that one of the ways that we limit God in our life is by the words that we say. I'm such a klutz. Oh, I'm so stupid. Oh my God. You know, I don't think we're ever going to make it. Oh, it's too expensive to buy a home in San Diego. If The Bible says it is as you say. Jesus was standing before Pontius Pilate And uh, Pontius Pilate says to him, you know, sayest thou nothing? Do you not realize this day I have the power to decide whether you live or die? And Jesus says, you'd have no power over me unless it was given to you from above. Nevertheless, he says, my kingdom's not of this world. If it was, my servants would fight for my release. But my kingdom is not of this world. And Pilate freaks. He goes, you are a king then. And Jesus says, it is as you say. It is as you say. See, Jesus knows who he is, but Jesus knowing who he is doesn't save you. Jesus knows he's the son of the living God. Jesus knows he's the eternal one. Jesus knows he's savior. Jesus knows he's redeemer. What Jesus knows doesn't save you. It's what you say. The Bible says, Romans 10 verse 9, that with the heart one believes, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The most powerful transaction that happens in a human life is when you receive the word in your heart and it changes and it shapes the words that come out of your mouth. In this church, we're going to teach you how to prophesy. What does prophesy mean? It means that your words align with the word of God that God has embedded deeply and richly into your heart. We want your heart filled with the word of God and then you've got to retrain your mouth to to only speak what God's word says. God comes to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1 verse 9. And he reaches out and he touches Jeremiah's mouth. And God says to Jeremiah, I want you to see this day. I've put my word in your mouth. This has set you over nations, over kingdoms to destroy, to pull down, to devour, to build up and to plant. The word of God in your mouth released always produces God results. God wants to change what you see God wants to change what you say. Jesus comes to a fig tree and it has leaves. It has foliage. And he's expecting, well, if it's getting leaves and foliage, it must have figs. But it wasn't the season for figs. But Jesus was attracted because he thought, wow, look, it's got figs. It's got leaves on it. Therefore, it's, it's drawing nutrients. It's producing something, but it wasn't producing figs. So Jesus said, let nobody eat from you ever again. The next day they come past and the disciples go, Lord, Lord, look, the fig tree you cursed is shriveled up from the roots. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say, if you have faith, you can say. When your say comes out of faith, supernatural takes place. When your say comes out of faith, supernatural takes place. And let me just freak you out a little bit. Faith is believing something you can't see will happen. It's exactly the same as fear, but in reverse. Fear is believing something you can't say will happen. If you say out of fear, you are setting forth a negative power. That's why we don't speak fear. Fear doesn't get a voice. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Why? Because he doesn't want fear to give you counsel. He doesn't want fear to have any time or attention. And he certainly doesn't want fear shaping the words in your mouth because it'll produce a harvest you do not want. We're trying to unlock the unlimited in your life. Don't let fear dictate the words. Let faith dictate the words. So so Jesus says, uh, and if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be you removed. Now, what's interesting is the disciples said, Lord, the fig tree you cursed. But Jesus didn't say, I curse thee in, well, I guess in my name. He didn't say that. He just said, let no one ever eat fruit from you again. How often have we said, oh, my God, I'm never going to make it. Oh, my God, the interest rates are so high. Oh, my God, gas is so expensive. We're never going to own a home. We're never going to be able to pay off this home. And, uh, you know, oh gosh, I got a lump. Oh, my gosh, I wonder if it's... We, we, you got to be so careful. The Bible says, set a guard over my mouth. Put a watch over my lips. I only will speak things that are right. I'll only speak things that are true. I'll only speak things that are faith. We limit God by what we see. We limit God by what we say. And the third one is we limit God by what we believe. We limit God by what we believe. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus gets into a boat with the, with the disciples. Well, actually with just Simon Peter. James and John are washing their nets on the shore, and Jesus says, row out and let me teach. And so Simon rows out, and Jesus starts teaching. it's his great teaching. And at the end of the hour of teaching, Jesus turns to Simon and says, all right, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, Lord, we've toiled all night. We've labored all night, and we've caught nothing. Zip, zilch, nada, nothing nothing he says nevertheless nevertheless at thy word i will let down a net he wasn't there yet for nets jesus said let down the nets for a great catch he wasn't there yet but but the despondency and the hopelessness had already come under there was something he'd just been hearing jesus teach the smartest thing you can do is make a decision every single Sunday, every single Sunday when the doors are open, whether it's Cherish Conference, whether it's Emerge Conference, whether it's Pathfinders Conference, whatever, whatever event is on, get yourself there because you will find that hopelessness and despondency and disappointment are, are rife in the world. You need to come into a place where you hear the teaching of the Word of God because it will put faith in your heart that against all odds, contrary to all hope and opinions, that God can come through. So Peter launches out into the deep. He's like, this is crazy. He lets down a net, a net, and the net he lets down gets so filled with fish that the net begins to break. And he had to signal to the, his partners in the other boat to come and help him. And the Bible says they filled both the boats till they began to sink. Both boats began to sink, and then Peter falls on his knees and says, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. He realized he wasn't in the presence of a carpenter with a theory. He realized he was in the presence of the living Word of God. He felt conviction. He says, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Because Peter knew that nothing changed in the boat, in the condition of the boat, till everything changed in the condition of his belief system. When God was able to change what he believed, his boat reflected it. In this house, we're going to teach you how to ch- believe the Word of God, how to see the Word of God, how to speak the Word of God, because you'll find that your life literally is a product of your belief systems. The greatest thing you can do is believe the Word of God. In John chapter 6, the disciples come to Jesus and say, Lord, Master, what works should we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus in John 6 says, believe. Believe in the one whom he has sent everything by faith is how we access the things of god the bible says they were called believers all the way through the new testament they were called christians twice both derogatory but they were called believers you are called to be a believer everything you get is through believing is through believing what do you believe when they believe differently jesus there's one miracle that's in all four gospels matthew mark luke and john and it's the feeding of the 5000 because there are five thousand men, five plus women and children. Some Bible scholars say anywhere from twelve to twenty thousand people in front of Jesus. The disciples come and they say, "Lord, send them away. Uh, they're hungry. They've been with you for three days. Great teaching, great teaching. A little long, little long. Three days, kind of long. Um, no, it was it was good. It wasn't like we're not criticizing. We just uh, send them away so they can get food. And Jesus, said, no, no, you give them something to eat. They're like, we don't." If we were to spend a whole year's wages, it's not enough that we everybody has a little snack. There's a little lad here with five loaves and two fish, but what are they amongst so many? And Jesus says, sit them down. See, the spirit of this world wants you to reduce the vision in front of you down to the resources that are with you. Jesus says, you're not going to bring the world into the kingdom where you say, hey, lower the vision, lower the expectation, just scatter. We've got five loaves and two fish. We don't have enough resources to fulfill the the vision and the mission. When my beautiful Leanne and I landed here in San Diego, we had three little boys and a bunch of suitcases. We didn't have money. We didn't have a building. We didn't have venues. We didn't have a team. We didn't have a staff. We didn't have pastors. We didn't have leaders. We didn't even have any friends when we landed. It was pretty awkward, actually, if I was honest with you. And I knew Leanne would make friends, but I was nervous for me. But but, but what we've been able to do over the years, I, I, are, you, are you kidding me? Like, and really what it was, was we just had a belief that if God goes before us, who or what could be against us? I'm telling you this, that if you will come into this house, hear this word, this teaching, it's going to change the way that you believe. What we didn't do was we didn't lower the vision down to our provision. We understood that the provision, that's why it's called provision, because it's pro, it's for, pro means for, it's for the vision. So we knew if we just keep the vision, the provision will follow. Now we have six campuses in San Diego, soon to be seven, soon to be eight. We have a campus in Salt Lake City, a campus in Boise. What God has done is just supernatural, miraculous. But what I've realized is God doesn't want me to lower my vision down to my provision. God wants me to, to see the vision and believe God for the multiplication, for the blessing. The Bible says that at the end of this story, everybody ate and was satisfied. And the disciples are like, man, that was crazy. And they're all freaking out. That was crazy. People just kept coming up and grabbing and and... And the fish, and it just kept, they were just keeping more fish, and, and they kept grabbing the bread, and there was just more bread. There was, oh man, did you? And they're freaking out, and then Jesus says, All right, guys, now go and collect the basketfuls of leftovers. They're like, Le- Leftovers? Are you kidding me? Leftovers? We were hoping there'd be just enough. He says, Let me introduce you to God. Let me introduce you to my Father. Could five loaves and two fish feed this many people? They're like, No, we're freaking out. He goes, Exactly. So that means Abba was involved. That means God was involved. Uh Uh-huh. If God was involved, let me now introduce you to my Father. Go collect the basketfuls of leftovers. The Bible says they went out and they filled. They filled 12 baskets full of the fragments of the leftovers. One basket couldn't be filled with the five loaves and two fish. Five loaves and two fish wouldn't fill one basket. 5,000 men plus women and children, somewhere between 12 and 20,000 people ate, had their bellies full, were satisfied. And then, and then they collected 12 basketfuls. They filled 12 basketfuls of leftovers. The next town was about three and a half miles away. 12 baskets, 12 disciples. No coincidence, no coincidence. Each disciple had to then carry a basket full of bread and fish that should not be there, yet they could feel the weight because Jesus was trying to introduce them to the God of unlimited. I'm not sure what you're facing. I'm not sure what you're working through, but you came to the right house on the right day. Our campus pastors are going to come up right now. They're going to open up the altars. If you're not saved, get saved. If your life's not right with God, get it right with God. Don't walk out the door the same way you walked in. Today is the beginning of a brand new chapter. It's the beginning of a brand new book. It's the beginning of a brand new epoch in your life. Come and respond. The the ministry team's going to be here. Uh, I'm going to hand over to our campus pastors now. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com